And then I was in the closet. My parents had no idea. You know, I'm talking about sucking dick on stage and they don't know. Like, it's kind of ironic and funny and ridiculous. Yeah, people think it's funny and people, and it, I get it. It's like a caricature that the media has promulgated with Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I get all of that stuff. But a lot of those shows make gay men seem like they're only into fashion and makeup and, and hair. I don't do any of that. Or, or like people that say, like, oh, I went to this Persian restaurant and the food wasn't good. I'm like, did I cook it? Refreshingly real, refreshingly honest, refreshingly human. A podcast about human connections, shared experiences, and finding that line of humanity with your host, Hannah Pillow. Hello, hello, welcome back to Refreshingly Human, or welcome if you are here for the first time. We are rounding off the end of season five, so yes, do not worry, the Hannah episode is coming soon, really soon. But before that, I have a very, very special guest with me today. I am so excited to speak to him. It is Amir Yas, the queer Muslim TikToker. Hi, Amir. Hello. Hello, Hannah. Thank you for having me. Uh, you are very welcome. I'm so excited to have you. I was like wanting to get Amir on the show and I went through some I went through some measures to try and connect with him and all I had to do was say hello. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like to respond to every message. As long as you don't come at me rudely, I try to respond to every message. Yeah, I find that when we put ourselves in the public eye, people tend to think that we're not accessible and that we wouldn't like respond to them. And I love responding to people. I love making genuine connections. I've made so many friends online just by saying hello to people. Uh, it's been amazing. Absolutely. And also, you know, the, I always tell people, I see all the love, but I also see all the hate too. Like we see all the messages, no matter how big you get, we still, even if there's thousands of messages, we still see the nasty ones. So just, you know, think twice before you, you know, click send. Yeah, I mean, that's like, we could do a whole episode on that hate because um, I, I've experienced it on a small scale so far, but to be fair, I am pretty small right now. Uh, but it's, I think that's what they say when it's starting. They say that means you're starting to reach people when it starts coming. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's it always just makes you think about the person on the other side. Like, what are they thinking to have to actually go through that lens to type something nasty? Um, talking about being nasty behind the screen, I had an experience today of someone being nasty to me that was not behind the screen. It was very much to my face. Oh, God. In person is a whole nother level. <laughs> I know. I know. I think I'm like so immune to people being mean to me that it's like doesn't even phase me anymore. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's, not a good thing. But it's what we've been through. I mean, me too. Like when someone says you're going to hell, I'm like, all right, you're in a line of a thousand other messages. Okay. Like now I'm just like, I'll see you there. <laughs> like hell's a party and we gonna burn. Yes, honey. <laughs> I'll see you there. I mean, it's, it's because it's funny to me that you, the whole tenet of Islam is based around not judging. And every person that comments that's supposedly Muslim is so judgmental. I yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of like, 
It kind of creates a mindset though, because I mean, ultimately God is judging you and people think that they got to play judge for God. It, it creates mm -hmm. it creates that mindset because trust me, I've got enough yeah. judgmental people. When I was a teenager, I wrote a poem about uh, people not judging me because my mom was my biggest judge. And when my mom read that poem, she was like, Allah is the best of judges. And I'm like, yeah, but you fucking judge me all the time. <laughs> I wish I said that. I didn't say that. I so wish I, I did. <laughs> so many things, situations, people I want to go back to and be like, now that I have a backbone, this is what I need to say to you. But right. you, know, you live a okay. Well, I mean, let's get into it. I'm sure like everyone is so yeah. interested to hear your journey as identifying as a queer Muslim. Like you already mentioned that you get a lot of hate for it. And I, I also see that you get a lot of love and support as well. People love you and you have such a dynamic personality as well. I, I was like following you for a while before I reached out to you, you know. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that you are creating a a safe space for people who are different, I would say, you know, mm -hmm. and that's really important. Uh, but I have to say that I think that your journey must not have been an easy one to get to being able to openly identify as a queer Muslim. Yeah, it's, it's been a journey and a half. I like to say, you know, we bought two tickets all the way to Dubai and there's multiple stops. So it, it's a long journey. You know, it, it. I think for a lot of people, they meet me and they're like, you're so funny. You're so nice. But part of that, honestly, Hannah, comes from going through darkness. When I used to do stand up in L.A., most of the comedians that were on stage that make you laugh from Robin Williams to Chris Rock, they have so much darkness. And, you know, when comedians do commit suicide, a lot of people are surprised. But to be funny, you really have to have gone through a lot of darkness because you have to be able to kind of laugh at yourself. And people who have had a quote unquote like normal life really struggle with laughing at themselves. Right. So a lot of the way that I got through this was kind of laughing at how ridiculous the situation was, right? I was doing stand-up on being gay, and then I was in the closet. My parents had no idea. You know, I'm talking about sucking dick on stage, and they don't know. Like, it's kind of ironic and funny and ridiculous. So I was able to laugh at, like, sometimes being in that darkness, right? Being in the closet, being feeling ashamed. I would laugh at it and kind of move forward but yeah you know from a young age I knew I was different I mean I was so religious that I had no idea right I was that was like a big veil and um, I call it rose-colored glasses like once I took those off I was like oh <laughs> now it makes sense like you know and so I mean there was like this is a great example of how in the dark I was because a lot of people are like oh everyone knew like your parents knew you knew I'm like no, just because I'm flamboyant or out now doesn't mean I knew, right? It's and and as someone who was, you know, formerly Muslim, you know what it's like. Like you, it's not it's not an opening. Even in Christianity and Judaism, even though they don't accept it as much, there is still an opening for it. Where in Islam, it's like it's a no go, right? So long story short, this guy that I knew that li I lived on a Muslim floor, by the way, at USC, which is already so random, but. Anyway, that's how religious I was. Like I lived with other Muslims on a specific Muslim dorm, like in America, you know, <laughs> it's just so random. But anyways, so he invited me over to watch Legally Blonde at midnight. And I kind of thought, oh, it's a friend. No, it was a date. Like it was a hookup. And I had no idea. Like I went there and I was like, and he was like nibbling my ear. And I was like, I need to leave. And I remember thinking like, there's something wrong with him, right? He's being inappropriate. I'm totally good, right? And I had to kind of like separate myself from my sexuality, which was like so crazy because how did I do that? Like I, I was 20 something and I was able to kind of disconnect. Um, it was 
it was really crazy. And then I kind of never talked to him again. It was just, it's just so crazy. And was he, so it was a Muslim floor. So he was a Muslim as well? No, he was, he, no, no, he was on a different floor. So the Muslim oh, okay. floor was just like one floor and he was like, he was on a different floor. And it's funny because I saw him like randomly pop up on Grindr, which is like a gay dating app. And he was like, come over. And I was like, oh my I God, know this you. is like full circle. <laughs> I know you. I was just like, I can because for me, it was it was just I was so ashamed that I was so not self-aware because I really pride myself on being very self-aware. Like if you come up to me and say, Amir, you're not a dependable friend. You leave without saying goodbye. You get angry too easily. I'm like, yeah, like I, you can pretty much say anything to me. I'm very self-aware. I'm like, yep. People will say things to me online like, oh, you're so ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah. So like, what? did you think I had no... I'm not uh, I'm not unaware. So for me, that was a huge blind spot. It was it was really I was like, wow, I really missed that. Do you think that you missed it because you didn't want to see it or you weren't ready to see it? Mm -hmm. And and one of the reasons I actually came out to my mom finally was because I went to dinner with her and she was like, oh, one of your aunt's friends has a girl. You know, they do that whole like set you up thing. Oh, and yeah. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep pretending I'm like 29. I, no, I was 28. I'm like, I just can't. I just can't keep playing this game. You know, when I went to business school, that's when I started to come out. I was in my like late 20s, mid 20s, 26, 27. It's like, so I was very late. So a lot of people meet me and they're like, oh, you must have come out in high school. And I'm like, no, there was another gay student in our high school. And I used to always kind of be like, well, he's so extra, you know, like I didn't, mm. I kind of didn't want to be associated with him because I didn't want to be lumped in, even though like everyone would constantly be like, you talk like a girl, you're gay. Like they would say all those things, but I kind of just thought, well, this is like not something that's allowed. And I remember someone once asked my mom was like, does he have a boyfriend? Not, is he gay? Like, oh. does he have a boyfriend? And she was like, oh no, 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 we don't date. We don't date. And the way she like shut it down, I was like, this is definitely not allowed. Right. Yeah. This is not going to be okay. And when we lived in Laguna beach, which is a predominantly used to be a very gay neighborhood um, in Orange County, and our neighbor was gay. And I think one of the reasons we moved, I mean, again, my parents have not confirmed this, but one of the reasons we moved was because the neighbor was gay. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That is extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of extreme stuff. And I try to kind of, you know, I'm telling you, but I try not to tell white people as much because they get really freaked out. They're like, wait, what? But they don't understand, like, when you are an immigrant, even if you live in America, which is very progressive, you still have a pocket of conservatism within that pocket of progressiveness. Mm -hmm. So they I don't mean, understand how that works. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, um, we all grow up in one bubble or the other, no matter mm -hmm. what our skin color is, white, black, True. brown. We all grow up in some bubble or the other, because I know I'm married in a very white family. I always say that, a very white family. <laughs> It's just like, I guess like because my bubble had no whiteness in it. So to me, these people are like extra white. <laughs> I call it white. W-A-H-Y-T-E. White. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's just like being in that environment just makes me realize how thick our bubbles are if we never leave. So like for someone like you and myself, for example, we grew up in very thick bubbles, but we managed to bust through them. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas mm -hmm. our parents and, you know, their parents are still stuck in the bubbles. And it's really hard for them to see outside of that perspective, because I know like my family is very much what you're saying as well. They very much anti-homosexual. Anti um, I would go as far as to say they don't believe in homosexuality. They believe right. that it, it's a right. choice and that it's not a real thing. 
Um, yes, I've heard that too. My cousin said that. And I was like, all right, let's agree to disagree. <laughs> let's agree to disagree that you think that it is a choice. Because I always tell people, I'm like, why would you choose the harder life? It's like someone being like, okay, Hannah, your life's going to be harder. People are going to bully you. People are going to pick on you. Or do you want the easier life where you're accepted? I don't think most people are going to be like, I want the harder life. And you know, I heard something. One of my friends, Mike Masala, made a movie called Breaking Fast. I highly recommend it. It's on Hulu. It's like about this Arab gay man dating and he dates like this white guy during Ramadan. And he says something in the movie that really stuck with me and I never thought about it like this was being gay made me a better Muslim. And I never really realized what that meant until I stepped back and I was like, oh my God, that's kind of true because by going through such a hard time, right? Coming out, being authentic, constantly, every day I have to validate myself, right? Like every day I have to remind myself you're enough, you're allowed, you're allowed to take up space, right? I have to remind myself every day, oh. even at my level. So like when that, you know, 20 year old Ali Reza got murdered in Iran by his family recently, that is another reminder. I have to be like, oh my God, like people are literally getting murdered for being themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that, and, and this is not like, I, I know a lot of Americans are like, oh, that's too, that's not happening. That's too dark. That's too much for them. Most of the Middle East is very, very, like you said, they don't even believe it exists. They think it's a mental disorder. And they also, to go further, think it's a complete choice. So they're like, just change your choice, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, like hearing that, I was like, oh my God, that kind of makes sense. By going to that really tough time, I not only became more empathetic, I became kinder. I became a better Muslim because I realized, I looked around and I stopped judging people because I was like, people carry so much. So when someone is rude to me at a restaurant, the waiter, I literally like this happened a couple weeks ago. She was rude to us. I allowed it to go. I allowed like it was I was like, this is fine. And then she literally told us she got hit by a car last year and is very frustrated. She like opened up, like oh, allow people. And that is because of what I've been through. Right. So a lot of Muslims would be like, oh, my God, this bitch or whatever. Right. But I was able to kind of take a moment and just allow her to open up. And that happens all the time. And I don't know if I was just like a straight Muslim if I would have that depth of empathy. I don't think I would. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I would say better Muslim. But for me, what I'm also hearing is a better person because you said Absolutely. you said that Muslim people would be like, oh, that woman is just being impatient. I think that not just Muslim, I think that just people, a lot of people who haven't been through what we've been through would be, be very short and easy to judge people instead of being like, hey, they could just be having a shit day. We don't know. I just want to interrupt you listening for a brief second just to remind you to check out my social media pages. I'm on Instagram as Refreshingly Human Podcast and Facebook as Refreshingly Human. You can also check me out on LinkedIn as Hannah Pillow. And if you are enjoying the episode, please don't forget to take a screenshot of yourself listening to the episode and share it on your own social media. Don't forget to tag me so I can see that love for Refreshingly Human. Now I'll let you get back to the episode. People go through a lot. People lose people. Yeah. They, they have to go to work still. They're, they're, you know, with COVID, like there's yeah. a lot going on. So I just try to, I think it's really given me a pause because I used to be very hot headed and, and aggressive and I can still be very like sassy and in your face, but I'll take moments where I'm like, oh, this isn't about me. Yeah. Like this moment is not about me. And I think there were times where I would lash out at people when I was in the closet and be angry and frustrated and be like, you know, and they'd be like, why are you so angry all the time? So they didn't know what I was carrying, right? So it, it, sexuality, I always tell people, sexuality and sex are very different. Sexuality is your identity, sex is an act, right? So separate 
that identity from the sex, right? A lot of people are like, oh, I don't like hearing about gay men. It grosses me out. I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about identity. It's who I am, right? So if that grosses you out, then you have a human problem. It's not about <laughs> sex. Because when you when I think about a straight couple, I'm not like, ooh, Hannah and her husband are going to have sex. Like, I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, you know? to, be, to be fair, we don't want to... There's a lot of people whether they're straight or gay or bi, there's a lot of people we don't particularly want to picture having sex. And that has nothing to do with talking yeah. about their sexuality, which is exactly, exactly. what you're saying. Exactly. exactly. It's like, <laughs> I take sex out of it. I think a lot of people are fascinated by gay men. I get this all the time. Are you a top or bottom? I'm like, where do you position yourself with your husband? It's disrespectful, right? There is, I'm open and I want to have conversation. But when you're a stranger, like you're not my friend. So don't come to me and say, oh, what, like, are you like, are you dating multiple men? No, none of your business. I don't know you, right? So there is, and I think that, that because gay men are kind of fetishized in, in the society and in the media, right? Like hot and dancing and having sex with everyone. That's not every gay man. There's a lot of gay men who are married, who are committed, who are, or, who are like me that are single and are happy with that. Like, I don't need to date, I'm good. Mm -hmm. So it, it's like, yeah, there's different varieties, you know? I love I love everything that you just said now, Amir, because um, I'm, I'm actually doing this communications course at well, I'm creating this communication course at the moment that's mm -hmm. taking people from the transformation of being afraid to offend someone to be able to confidently connect with someone. And what you just said there just made me think that you have it from so many angles like I, I get a lot of um, offensive messages for being a person of color, a woman of color. I get a lot mm. of, you know, we, we spoke about this before, microaggressions and uh, assumptions and all of that. And I'm thinking like you probably get it from so many different angles because you are a man of color, you are a gay man, you are a Muslim man. You're probably getting it from so many angles because people want to box, 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 box. But who, Absolutely. you know, take all those labels off you and we say, who is Amir? Who are you right now? We want to know mm -hmm. you. We don't, I don't want to know, I don't want to know like, okay, you identify as Muslim. I'm not going to dig into that and be like, okay, tell me why and tell me how and, you know, break that down. That's what you identify as. And that's just a part of who you are. It's not your whole. Absolutely. And we're also not like, intersection is great. Pronouns are great. Sexuality is great. But sometimes I feel like, especially in the queer community, people start identifying with multiple things and then they're like, overwhelmed by all of those identities i am comfortable as a man he him i'm good with that but a lot of people i get messages well they're you're, you're non-binary i'm like why are you telling me i'm undefined that's really odd you're literally telling me that you identify me as undefined that's really bizarre when i'm telling you i'm comfortable with my gender it's a lot of people i think when like you said when you're public people think that they can kind of like i've had people tell me oh don't say persian you should say iranian and it's all and this is no diss against white people but it's generally white women who have told me that and i'm like with all due respect janet like <laughs> you please don't tell me how i identify if i want to say persian a lot of persians are very proud of our empire that's how we identify we don't identify with iranian because that is a colonial word first of all the middle east is a colonial world middle east means nothing the world is circular there's no middle so Middle East makes zero sense. So a lot of people don't identify. They identify with various words, right? They, they There's a lot of different diaspora words that people use. I've heard um, there was one, I think it's called, I can't remember. It's like North Africa. Uh, God, I think it's like Middle East, North Africa. It's like a word that they came up with. So instead of Middle East. So people are, allow people to identify how they identify. But I think that a lot of, especially, and I don't, I, don't, I hate to say it because I do like white people, but a lot of white people, <laughs> 
well, kind of like, like to box you in. Like a lot of white women, especially with my sexuality, love to say, you're my best friend. You're my gay best friend. Oh, you're my cousin. You, I don't you, like that. Hey, I know that you watch uh, Real Housewives. I know this. I've seen it in your stages. The gays. The gays. Oh my God. It. That annoyed me so much when I watched that episode. I actually like, I was texting one of my friends because he and I are like obsessed with this show. And when I got to that part, I was like, um, did you did you watch that part? Like that was really uncomfortable to watch how they they refer in that whole episode they refer to the gay man as an accessory. Every every housewife has their gay. Like what the fuck? Yeah, people think it's funny and people and it, I get it. It's like a caricature that the media has promulgated with queer eye for the straight guy. I get all of that stuff, but a lot of those shows make gay men seem like they're only into fashion and makeup and, and hair. I don't do any of that. So I've had girls, like I remember in high school, be like, oh my God, I love your sense of style. Can we go shopping? Like, one girl was like, I'm going to burn my clothes. I was like, girl, don't burn your clothes. I know how to dress for a man. I don't know. How Again, I was a stylist for a time. Yes, I do have a really good eye, but are you going to pay me for it? Like, I'm not a gay man that's going to go along. I don't like to shop. I go to the mall. I buy everything I need and I leave. I don't, I'm not the browser type. And, and again, if you're a gay man who loves hair, who loves fashion, that's great. Like I've worn wigs and makeup, but I don't want to do that for someone else. So yeah. putting gay men in a box like that, it, it takes away from what we have to offer. Like what you said, who is Amir, right? When you take away the Persian, the queer, the Muslim, a lot of people, I tell them every podcast I'm on, I'm always like, and, and obviously you're not one to do that because you know, like, you know, you understand. But a lot of times I've been on podcasts where it's like, all they want to talk about is me being queer. And I'm like, that's the least interesting thing about me. So if you want to talk about, I'm open to talk about it, but there are so many different dimensions to being a person, right? But a lot of people, like you said, they're gay best friend, husband, I'm with my gays. And I remember NeNe Leakes had a party where it was like, wear white and bring your gays as if they're just like a drink or a, or a plate of food. Like, mm -hmm. so you do that and you kind of, debase gay men and then it sucks because when you tell someone I've, I've confronted people about this like please don't call me your gay best friend you can just say best friend like you don't need to say gay and they're like I love gay people I'm a I'm like listen when someone tells you you're being racist or you're being homophobic or they're uncomfortable you need to listen like people don't want to listen they're, they want to quickly say I'm not a racist I'm not a homophobe no 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 I'm like what you posted though made me uncomfortable so I'm expressing that to you and you need to receive it like I don't like when people are like oh do you know my dentist he's Persian I'm like fuck you uh, that's you I, I had that experience when I was getting married um someone was saying that they're the whole time they met Mus Muslim people for the first time in their life because my whole family's Muslim and the yeah. whole fucking wedding time they were talking about oh my Muslim beautician said this my Mus not even my Muslim fucking friend my Muslim beautician I was like shut the fuck up <laughs> like, shut up or like people that say like oh I went to this Persian restaurant and the food wasn't good I'm like did I cook it <laughs> Why are you at, why? I think it's like a weird connection that they tried to bridge. Yes. And like, I, I remember like one of my friend's moms was like, oh my God, I love Muslims. I read this book called, um, what did it say? Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. I'm like, that book is anti-Muslim. Like, did you not think? <laughs> the title is literally Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. I'm like, the book is anti-Islam. Like, I don't know how you, they don't understand. Like I had someone DM me who's from a Bravo show. She's like a housewife. And she was like, oh, I'm scared of Muslims, but I like you. I was like, that's not a compliment. It's like me being like, oh, I don't like like brown women, but you know, Hannah, you're great. <laughs> not a compliment. Yeah, it's really not. 
Not a compliment. And then she went on to say like, oh, you know, your Bible is so extreme. I'm like, it's called a Quran. And first of all, our Quran, yes, can be extreme at times, but have you read the Bible, girl? The Bible is extreme. You get a tattoo, you're stoned. You you masturbate, you're stoned. You ha- you like drink pork. They don't they don't follow any of the rules. But Christians love to focus on homosexuality, which is literally half a page that was added in 1946. Added in 1946. So I just don't want people to sleep on these facts. Like people don't know what they're talking about. I've seen so many TikToks of people. Like I get a lot of Christian people. You're going to hell. Have you accepted Jesus? I'm like. Yes, girl. I've accepted Jesus. Muslims like Jesus. We have a whole chapter about Jesus. We're good do, with Jesus. Do you, you know, ask like, them if they've accepted Allah or if they've accepted Muhammad? Exactly. Why am I I'm not getting involved in your life? Why are you getting involved in mine? And what I don't understand is at its core, Jesus is so cool. Jesus hung out with prostitutes and people with leprosy. You're telling me he didn't hang out with any gay people? Absolutely impossible. Because at that time, being gay, you were an outcast. Not that it's changed that much, but you are st- you were very outcasted. So I'm sure Jesus came across gay people. Impossible mm-hmm. that he wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. So it's just people don't know the research. And again, if there were 10 gay people, I would marry a woman. Okay? But until that happens, when there are millions of them, I don't think it's a mistake. So I just want people to sometimes think about what they're saying. If Even if you're a Muslim and you hate gay people, when you say that to people online or you tell it to their face or you treat your family, if they kill themselves, that blood is on your hands. That is the same as if you ran them over with a car. It is the same. So when you go to, to, the, to the gates of heaven, God's going to be like, yeah, being gay was wrong, okay? Let's say. But you are wrong for cre- pushing this person to kill themselves. You're not coming in. So remember that. And I say that, I don't say that lightly. I don't say it as a joke. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. No, God's not going to let you in. If you say, if you push someone to kill themselves, you're not mm-hmm. going to get in. So good it, luck it, to you. <laughs> I mean, it really like boils down to our, you know, like our righteousness as a human being. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like what is, what is the right thing to do? Just, it's just like a really silly example. It's like, we don't like something about someone else, but right. we make it about us somehow right well there's a lot of people things that people do that i don't like i don't like that there are kkk members killing people i don't like that there's white men shooting up schools like there's a lot of stuff i don't like either but that is not every white person that is not every we are not monoliths so if you met a gay person who was rude to you or treated you badly or you thought oh they're so extra that's not every gay person Every brown woman, every black person, every every Muslim is on a monolith. A lot of people meet like three Indian people and they're like, oh, I don't like Indian people. They're very cheap or something. I'm like, how do you it's like even if you met every Asian person, you cannot make blanket statements because it's impossible for you to have met a billion people. So stop <laughs> making these blanket. It's like one or two bad experience. Oh, I don't I don't know. This gay guy hit on me. So I'm really uncomfortable. Well, he was predatory and he's wrong. That's not every gay man. Mm-hmm. So we have to separate your experiences away from who other people are. Because there are good people everywhere. There are assholes everywhere. I, I'm not going to say every queer person is fabulous. There's a lot of horrible people. There's a lot of broken people. There's a lot of hurt people that hurt people. Some of the worst messages I've gotten, some of the worst bullying is from other gay men. No, I, I believe you. I believe you. And that's the thing. What I was gonna say is that it's it's not just our experiences like you were saying you could meet three gay people three brown people and make a blanket judgment but it's also 
it's also what we are fed as we are growing up. It's the messages we are fed all the time. It's the media. So the media tends to put very blanket stereotypes on so many different, um, so many different boxes. So, you know, being gay, like you spoke a lot about being gay and the stereotypes that the media portrays to that. Um, I can speak to the stereotypes that the media portrays to women, to Indians, to South Africans, being to the point where South Africans in the media are always black. So whenever I identify as South African, no one believes me because they only know black South Africans. So I can't be South African because I don't have the right coloring for it. Um, so, you know, so that's this, a real thing. I have a friend who's white and same thing from South Africa, and he's constantly having to revalidate his identity. And I always tell people, I'm like, dude, South Africa has a lot of white people. Like, Google it. Like, we, do have, your we have white people. We have brown people. We have Chinese people. We have, okay, majority, a, a large majority of black people, sure. But we have people from so many walks and colors of life living in South Africa Absolutely. and so many people who identify as South African, you know, <laughs> you can be North African and be Middle Eastern, right? So people, yeah. North Africa is literally Egypt and Morocco. People don't understand that. Egyptians mm. are technically African. So there, Egypt is a made up word. Egypt is another colonial example of white people being like, Ooh, these people don't look African. They are Egyptian. So this <laughs> Egypt is anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's a made up word. It's like it, it's a made up fucking word. It's like California. What does that even mean? I mean, like, aren't, aren't, all, aren't all worlds made up though? Technically, yeah, technically <laughs> these are really made up. These are made up by white people who come in and and even like when you think about sexuality, being homosexual was not really a problem in Native American communities. Being trans was not a problem in Native American communities. In, in India, being like Hijra, right? The, the trans people were celebrated if you're a third gender. There was like so much celebration. Like when I was in India, a lot of the gods have a third gender. Like they can switch, they're trans. So Americans, not Americans, British people came and were like, uh-uh, we like binary. So you're either a man or a woman. You're either straight or something that we don't accept, right? So it became, that started very, very early. It's only been like 60 years. Before that, look at the Romans, very open with sexuality. They had rooms of, like they had orgies and things were, <laughs> UK came in and was like, oh, orgies don't go with our tea. Like we, <laughs> so stop, you know? So yeah. just, I just want, the reason I say these things is I want people to educate themselves. And it's quite interesting to know this stuff, right? To be aware of where, oh, where did the connection between being gay and pedophilia come from, right? So in Roman times, they would sleep with young boys, right? So then they associated the, the, the people that were conservative in the US in 1950 were like, oh, here's an example of pedophilia from like literally 700, 800, 1,000 years ago. Let's bring that into modern times and create a whole video where it looks like this gay man was like following little children, like grabbing them, kind of like a monster. And that's where the whole pedophilia and gay people comes from. That's why a lot of people block adoption from gay parents, even in the U.S., in Russia. There was a whole campaign where this kid was like adopted. It was like a whole video adopted by this gay couple and they forced him to wear a dress. I mean, the video was so homophobic. But these connections between pedophilia and being gay are are very, very like not stable, but it's become a real thing because I still get that message like, oh, you're a pedophile. I'm like, what are you talking about? The number one people who, who are actually pedophiles in the US, I can only speak about the US, are straight white men. So this connection is not a real thing, right? Mm. So, but because gay men are, are already kind of marginalized, 
it's hard for us to speak up. So when a larger people speak up, like I've heard people say, oh, 70% of the HIV rate is because of gay men. Not true. I've heard that. Yeah. Not true. Like straight people are the number one transmitters of HIV. It has become the gay disease because of Ronald Reagan. So I, I think people just need to kind of open their eyes, stop watching Netflix and do a little research. Like, so when you have your opinions, that's okay. You're allowed to hate anyone you want, right? But at least if you're going to hate us, do the research, mm -hmm. realize, okay, in the Bible in 1946, they added homosexuality as a sin. The Quran actually doesn't even say anything about it. So these are all, they're called hadith or they're called like Sharia law that are added. Those are people, not God. So people, Muslim people hate me, not God, right? So that's how I've reconciled my relationship with God. The God I know is not gonna throw me into hell for being who I am, right? So. Do, if I make mistakes and lie and cheat and do bad things, absolutely. But because of who I am, I don't think so. And again, I could be wrong. We'll never know. By the time I figure it out, I, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. Like, and I think that like one of the reasons, last point, is that Judaism is more open to homosexuality. They're not like promoting it, but they are more open to it is because they don't have heaven and hell. So mm. Christians and Muslims are obsessed with the idea of throwing people into hell, throwing people mm. into heaven, grabbing people from hell and saving them, right? You hear that from Christians. Oh, have you, have you like, you know, accepted Jesus? You can be saved. Mm. Bitch, I'm good. I'll be good. <laughs> you leave me be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I love how you have done so much of the like you said the research behind us and i also just want to go back when you say it uh, don't watch netflix i just want to say i love netflix and i watch a lot of netflix however however <laughs> i come when i watch anything um i come from it with a very observational mindset and a very critical mindset because um, I love to watch the human behavior. So I'm obsessed uh, with shows like The Real Housewives as, as well. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, obsessed is a strong word, not obsessed. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed. <laughs> no, you, you know, know what? what? It's a vacation. It's a vacation from people like us that are very cerebral. It's a vacation, but it's also a reminder when you watch it from season one till now, you see how society changed, right? People don't really say the gays anymore. They don't say things like the black person or like mm -hmm. they've adjusted the way they speak. Right. And the shows have started to, I was talking to someone about this yesterday on my podcast, like housewives is now reflecting society more. Right. So there's Asian people, there's black people, there's a whole show about Indians. Right. So they're Persian, like people are fascinated, especially white people in the Midwest that might never meet a Persian or an Indian if they don't watch a show about them, right? So that's why I always tell people media is so important. One of the reasons that I worked as a publicist for all these years and I am pitching a show now is because we need diversity on and off camera. It's powerful. A show about a bunch of white people watched by white people doesn't really do anything. White mm -hmm. people need to see the queer experience. So when you watch a show and you see, oh my God, this queer character tried to kill himself because he was bullied, it might it might, I'm not going to say it always does, but it might change a couple people's mind and go, wait a second. If I'm mean to this kid at school, he might go home and kill himself. I need to take a step and just stop. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying there's no proof. We can't find, we can't go to people's homes and say, did you stop bullying? But the fact is, as we tell more stories like this, and there are more queer people and women and, and people of color on the executive side, the more yes. shows like this will be made and less shows like Bob Loves Abishola, where it's like a white guy saving a Nigerian woman. You know, it's like 
these kind of shows are outdated. And the UK, mm -hmm. honestly, I do have to give the UK credit. Are they the creators of colonialism, with, which is the father of racism? Absolutely. But has their shows been diverse from the beginning? Absolutely. Shows like Skins, shows like The Office, there was always a queer person. There was always a Black woman. There was always a Nigerian or a, a Pakistani person or someone with a hijab. Like they, and, and also not attractive people. There was mm -hmm. a lot of unattractive people that are in the UK shows, which I'm like, first of all, that's real life. Not everyone's going to be Brad Pitt, right? Mm -hmm. So again, that diversity, someone who is maybe a little chubbier or less attractive is watching that is like, oh, I have a chance. Like, I have a chance in life. Like, I don't need to be, because I hear this so much. If I lost weight, if I was more attractive, if I got plastic surgery, I would look more like Kylie Jenner and I would be loved. No, you'll just look like Kylie Jenner. You're not going to be Kylie Jenner, right? So mm. that's the kind of twisted thing. And I, and I do love that about UK TV, where they really do a good job of creating some kind of diversity, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, it is pretty cool, but it's still pretty surprising that it, it's still there's a lot of work to actually do with the people in the UK when it comes yeah. to yeah. accepting, because I think that even though they include diversity in the media, the representation is not often very the best representation most of a lot of the time. Interesting. Interesting. And yeah, so like, for example, my experience of being a person of color in the UK is that everybody, including the brown people, want to put me in the box. They just want to shove me back into the box. So she's brown, she's Muslim, she's Pakistani. Those are the labels the they want to throw. What is the thing with Pakistani? What's the thing um, with the UK? I've been called Paki when I've been in the UK. And yeah, I'm like, it's, it's just because the majority of the brown people in the UK seem to be from Pakistan at the oh, moment. So, but it's a derogatory. It's a um, derogatory. Well, Paki, it, right? I guess it depends. Yeah, it, de okay. it depends on who's saying it and where. But yeah, like, white guy. A white yeah. drunk guy. So well, yeah, a, then, it's... yes, then hell, hell yeah. Um, no, definitely, then, yes. But yeah, no, I mean, like I say, I, I get it from the brown people as well. I think I told you this off air that I've had, um, I've had brown people come up to me and start speaking to me in Urdu, assuming that I speak Urdu. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then I've, I've had, uh, I've had people who I told I wasn't Muslim telling me Eid Mubarak and I don't mind the Eid Mubarak part because I do celebrate Eid but it's also on the other hand I did tell you that I'm not Muslim so why are you assuming they're not listening yeah well, they're not, <laughs> they're not Americans listening like, Merry Christmas and I'm like oh I'm Muslim and they're like I hope you have a great holiday with your family Merry Christmas I'm like or Happy Easter I'm like I don't celebrate like, Christmas is more commercial but like mm -hmm. Easter is definitely very Christian I'm like I don't celebrate Easter and like even that like it's so funny because even like I I've been on dates with like you know, this guy, this like white guy. And, he, and I was like, and he kept being like, hey, Habibi. And I was like, I'm not Arab. Like it, mm. a Habibi doesn't match Persian. And he was like, oh, but like, what's the difference? It's the same, right? And I was like, it's a different language. It's a different country. So it's not the same. And then he was like, oh, I'm from New Jersey. And I was like, oh my God, I love New York. And he's like, no, I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> I love and that. He was, he was like, wait a second. What do you mean? I, it's not the same. And I was like, oh, but you were willing to say that I, this isn't the same they are literally 45 minutes apart. You're telling me that Iraq and Saudi are the same thing. So, I mean, sorry, Iran and Saudi are the same thing. And he's like, oh, now I kind of get it. I'm like, stop again. When people identify, even if someone comes up to you, right, Hannah, and is like, I'm a fairy, don't correct them. Like, it doesn't matter what they say. If someone's like, my pronouns are they, or I am a brown woman, or I don't speak Urdu, or I'm not Muslim, or I'm not gay, do not question it. When I told people I'm not gay, they would be like, are you sure? Why are you 
pushing it? Why are you trying to out people? Why are you trying to like push people? Like when I tell people I'm Persian, they're like, oh my God, no way. You're like, why? I was blonde at the time. I'm like, do you want me to pull out my driver's license that says Amir Hassan on it? Like, I don't, why would I lie about that? Like people need to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this really is exactly fact. what the cause I'm creating is about, Amir. It's about teaching people how to get out of that mindset of pushing because um, it's kind of like goes back to the intent. If you are you actually trying to get to know somebody as a person, or are you trying to confirm your biases with your line of questioning? Because you are exactly. forcing the issue here. You know, exactly. you're trying to confirm. And people start to think like we're denying it. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not denying anything. Like, exactly. If, if I tell you I don't speak Urdu, I don't speak Urdu. exactly and actually that language thing that you just mentioned now as well reminds me of a story when i was living in turkey and one of my school friends she was living in saudi arabia at the time and she visited uh, turkey and i met up with her and we went out to eat together Mm -hmm. and she started talking to the waiter in arabic and i was like they don't speak arabic they speak turkish and she's like oh it's the same thing i was like no it's not the same thing so i i've i've learned a few phrases in turkish so i i spoke to the to the waiter and i told him what we wanted and then she was like yeah this language is so weird and i'm like it's a fucking language like why is it weird nothing's weird no language is weird (laughs) Yeah. tired of people saying and i'm also tired of people that feel like they know like like a lot of white people do this where they go to like a mexican restaurant and start speaking in spanish and i'm like the person's not always gonna speak spanish mm-hmm. there are times where like like the, especially a lot of immigrants like when their kids are raised in america they don't want them to have an accent so they don't teach them spanish or farsi so don't assume i always ask, do you speak farsi or do you speak spanish and then yes. i'll speak you have to be respectful enough to like ask people that especially i mean if you're in turkey the waiter most likely speaks turkish that's different but i'm talking about like when you're in america or the uk where it's like a melting pot people don't always speak the language that they might look like they speak Mm -hmm. so don't go up to someone just because you know like freaking swahili and start going at it like they might not know it they're like exactly so she was she was in a restaurant in turkey talking to them in arabic and saying it turkish and arabic is the same thing i'm like it's so not it's really not it's an elitist thing thing where it's like persians go up to everyone are you persian i'm like not everyone's persian like latinos might look persian armenians like they're not persian so Uh just ask people who they are instead of what they are right where are you really from it's like bitch i just Uh told you i was american so you don't need to know anything else i don't know you from a can of paint so i don't need to tell you that oh my parents are immigrants and i'm muslim and i'm I'm American for all intents and purposes. I was born here. Do I have an accent? I don't, right? So just goodbye. Like, I don't need to. <laughs> and even if you have a fucking accent, if you say you are from where you are, people should accept it, you know? Well, really. I hear it all. Right? Hannah, I've heard it. Oh, your English is so good. Why would my English be bad? I was born here. And then also, I love them, but where are you really from? Mm-hmm. I, I actually would love to like I'm actually going to start counting the amount of times people ask me where I'm really from and I'm, I'm going to do this for the intent and purpose of the course I'm making because <laughs> I'm going to be like just make like a whole chart because really the amount of times I've been pressed and I, I actually like I mentioned this in the course as well um, that people don't just ask where you're really from but when they get to pressing and pressing and they get to the point where I say, okay, fine, my great-great-grandmother's from India, they actually come at me with this look like, oh, oh I knew it. I knew they it. Need the 
They yeah. need that, like, I knew it, relief, like, oh, yeah. I knew you're not white. You might look white passing, but I need to confirm that you're Persian and you're not, like, part of what we're doing over yeah. here. So it's just so funny to me because I'm like, I'm a lot smarter than you think. I know what you're doing and you're not going to outsmart me. So I've just been just saying, yeah, I'm Persian. So they can just get what they want and I'm out. Like, I don't need to go back and forth with you. Like, mm -hmm. it is just so frustrating. But you know, at the end of the day, I saw this TikTok. It was really funny. It was like this Vietnamese guy in America. And he was like, people always ask me where I'm from. And they say, go back to your country and all that kind of BS. And he was like, oh, I have a country to go back to. Where are you going? <laughs> right? Americans don't have anywhere to go. UK doesn't want you. You were kicked out of the UK. So where are you going? But you see, exactly that question you just said, go back to where you came from. And for me, that would be South Africa because I've never fucking been to India in my life. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. not where I'm going to go to. <laughs> exactly. Go back to South Africa, but at least you have somewhere to go. Right? And these people, like, when you tell someone to go back to their country, I'm like, mm hmm. Are you doing the jobs that um, immigrants are doing in America? Are you doing any of those jobs? You have no skills. Are you a doctor or a lawyer? I love when people say, oh, your immigrants take my jobs. Oh, really? You have a high school education. Can you be a doctor? Good luck to you. You know, they're <laughs> idiots. Because when they say things like that, I'm like, you're an idiot. When you, no one's taking your jobs, boo. You literally didn't go to college. So what job are you going to be taking? What job are you talking about? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. I well, I, I mean, we are, you know, I love this. We've gone like way off the topic of sex here. But like you said, what we I love have, about it. We really have. We can go back to sex for a bit. Yeah, no, but what I actually love about it is like you, you actually said earlier that you always are asked to be to speak about being queer, but there's so much more to you. And I love that we covered that in this episode. We got to like really get away from uh, you know, the queer Muslim label and really dig into Amir Yas uh, and oh, who he thank is. You. And listen, sex is good. We all have sex. It's great. But I think that fetishizing a gay man to talk about sex, I've been on those podcasts, like, you know, advice from a gay man, how to give a blowjob, blah, 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 like all that stuff, right? I've done all of those things. And nothing wrong with that. I make a lot of jokes about sex, but there's so much more to me that if you listen and you want to go a little deeper, you realize that I am a social justice warrior. Like I know so many issues. I, I have really blanket knowledge about a lot of stuff. I watch everything from Bravo to Netflix to Hulu to documentaries. Like, so if you listen a little closely, there's a lot more than sex, you know? And, and again, no shade against any gay man who wants to talk about that all the time. That's just not really me. Yeah. And I'm actually just like, I want to actually label or, you know, title this episode, Amir Yas, not just the queer Muslim. I love it. I love that. <laughs> Honestly, like, I think I've been waiting, you know, I've been on hundreds of podcasts and it's always the same story, right? And, you know, it, it's funny, I was on a podcast and I know she was, she met well, but she posted the video of me. There was a video where it was like, you can't be gay and Muslim. And I was dancing on TikTok, whatever. And then she posted it and said like, if you murder, God doesn't hate you. If you steal and cheat. And I was like, and I, and I messaged her. I said, I don't really like being, having my sexuality associated with murder because what I'm doing is just being true to myself. When someone mm. murders someone, they are stepping outside of who they are and really acting out of a different energy. So I was oh, like, yeah. yeah, I didn't really. And she was like, yeah, you know, a lot of people responded to it. I was just trying to make connections. I get that. Mm. But like, again, Every episode, every podcast is always about my sexuality. So it is refreshing to hear that. I appreciate that. And which <laughs> show are you on? I mean, I mean, refreshingly human. Yes, honey. <laughs>
refreshingly human. That- and that's like, it's really, your title is so accurate. Cause do I make mistakes? Do I say the wrong things? Do I fumble? Do I, you know, piss people off? Do I yell and scream? Am I perfect? Absolutely not. And a lot of times when I go on these podcasts, it's like, oh, you've been through so much. You must be perfect. It's like, no. So I'm refreshingly human. <laughs> Hell yeah, we all are. And that's exactly what the space is meant to be. It's meant to, and that's why I'm so glad to have you here, Amir, because you are a huge influencer. You have a huge audience. And I think that it's so important to get people with a huge audience on here to show that they are human too, you know, because we forget. It's, it's easy to forget. I mean, listen, I put together stellar Insta stories. I'm friends with celebrities. Like I post a lot of wacky videos. I get it. Like from the outside in, if you're comparing your insides and how you feel to my outsides, it looks great. But I'm also doing that myself, comparing my insides to other people's outsides, being like, oh, that person's life is so perfect. I wish I had that. Believe and trust me, nobody's life is made for anyone else. If I took your life, I might not survive. If you took my life, you might not survive. We only get, and I really believe this, however hard your life is, if you're listening to this, no matter what's happened, you've lost people, you've lost your job, you, you have like an autoimmune disease, God gives you only what you can carry. I really believe that. And it sounds crazy for what I've been through, but in some ways I could carry it. You could. I could just figure it out. And yes, were there days where it was really hard? Absolutely. But you only get what you can carry. I know it sounds kind of cliche, but it really, I really, really believe that one. Absolutely. And you know what, Amir, I know there's so much more that you can share with my audience and with the world, really. And I know that you are excited to come on my next season as well. I would love to have you there where we're going to be talking about the black sheeps and the white sheeps of the family. Um, And we've we've I've already recorded a few episodes for that one. In fact, everyone who's listening, Amir was supposed to be recording today for the next season, but he saved me at the last minute because I needed a slot fold for this season. And he came in and he saved me. And I was like, you are my hero. It's absolutely no problem. I've had such a good time. I feel like the last hour has like flown by. <laughs> totally. It really has. Um, I actually like to end each episode with a few shot by your questions just to sure. get to know more about the human Amir. (laughs) And so the first question is, what is the one thing in your life you cannot live without? My phone. (laughs) I love the honesty. I I love it. My phone, but it's so true. I just have to, I just have to TikTok constantly. Oh God. (laughs) Uh, I I love the honesty. Yeah. I mean, I've I've become so attached to my phone that I'm really trying not to be, (laughs) but I I get it. It's just right here. It's like, it's just always, I I, I think it's more of a safety blanket. Like I remember I went out without my phone and I was like, what if I get an accident? What if I pass out? What if, do I have my ID on me? I won't be identified. I started spiraling. I was like, okay, you're not going to get killed and then be not identified. I was like, okay. You, Amir, yeah, somebody will identify you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'm going to start saying that. Uh, The next question is, what is your biggest strength? I think my biggest strength is crying. I think being vulnerable is my biggest strength. So I'll be watching a movie or I'll see something and it will really affect me viscerally and I won't stop my tears. Like, I don't care if I'm around a bunch of like really straight manners. I don't care. I, I don't have that issue. I love crying. that. I, I love making, because I am so all about being vulnerable. And I really, I mm-hmm. definitely think that's a strength. That's a superpower. And I'm glad mm-hmm. you said that because uh, it's, people have such negative connotations with being vulnerable. And it they is. They really do. 
And yeah. I'm like, it's hard. Like, and also Brene Brown always says, I love her. And she talks about vulnerability and she is like amazing. Cause she says like, if you're not in the arena with mud on your face, if you're not daring greatly, if you're not being vulnerable, shut the fuck up. And that's it's... how I feel. So when people are like, Oh, don't cry. I, like yesterday, my, you know, I was emotional. My dad was like, don't cry. Don't cry. And I was like, it's okay to cry. Yeah. It's okay to have emotion. It's okay to be vulnerable. It is a superpower. People say, oh, I'm sorry I'm crying. I always tell people, don't apologize for crying. Don't. Exactly. You're reacting. It's good. Exactly. And it's it's like, even with me, when I tell people like, oh, I'm so scared, um, like, for example, to launch my course, I'm like, oh my God, I'm terrified because it's the first course I'm launching. I'm scared, shitless. And they're like, oh, don't be scared. I'm like, but I am like, you can't just tell me not to be something that I am. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's, like, it's, dumb. it's like, it's like if someone said I'm hungry and you're like, don't be hungry. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> so emotions are the same as physical needs. So if you're yeah. scared, great. Like when I launched my course, I was scared that no one was going to sign up and guess what? Nobody signed up. But then I slowly <laughs> got students. You, you, again, people are so scared of failing, but you know what I'm scared of is actually being successful. That's a lot scarier to me because people depend on you right now. Again, I don't have millions and millions of followers, but I have enough where people do think of me as like a resource or they look at me. Right. So I have to be very intentional with what I post and what I say. Right. So eyes are on me. Like it, being successful is sometimes much harder than failing. Hell yeah. I'm terrified of success. I mean, I want mm -hmm. it. Hell yeah. Right. But I'm yeah. I like, I, I guess like the closer I get to it, the more scared I get because it's like getting real and getting real. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah. my God. Like when it's, it's, when it's just a dream in your head, it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. But when it's actually becoming something, it's like, what right. the fuck is happening? Exactly. And then people start co-signing <laughs> you and they're like, yeah, you're good. And this is going to be good. And it, we're going to make it. You're like, because now you're not, it's not just you and you can't kind of cut loose, right? You mm. have to, you're in it. You can't just be like, oh, this is too much for me. I'm out. Like you're committed now. So it, mm. yeah, it's, uh. it's a lot. And that brings us to the next one, which is what is your biggest weakness? I think my biggest weakness is envy. So I'm very, very envious. Like I'm not, I am not happy for people who get married or, or like success. I don't, I'm not happy. Like I, and I, and I, the reason I talk about this more and more now is because I want people to take the pain and the hiding your envy and your jealousy. Like a lot of us are envious and jealous because we're on Instagram, we're on social media. Like, oh, yeah. you know, there was a job that I wanted that my friend got and I really wanted that job. And, and I, I literally, I cannot watch her on TV. Like I cannot stomach to watch her. So the other day I sat down, I was like, I'm going to watch like two episodes and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I literally cannot watch her. So I was like, and that's okay. Like you're allowed to be envious and you're allowed to feel those things. You just have to be honest with it. I think honest a lot of people it, yeah. hide from envy and I'm like, that's my weakness. I know it's there. I know mm -hmm. that when you tell me you're having a baby, I'm my first thought is what about me? I have nothing. Like, that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm working on it. And I'm in, you know, I've been to therapy and I'm, you know, working through those issues. But again, I'm not going to hide from it and be like, my weakness is that I work too hard. It's like, no, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> the fake like, CV resume question and answer. <laughs> I'm too you. committed. I'm such a team player. Like, no, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's envy. Like I, you know, if someone launches like something and they do way better than me, I, I'm not happy for them. <laughs> like, I love that. And what I love about what you said is that you're aware of your weakness and you are working through it and you're not mm -hmm. hiding it. And that those are three things that, you know what, to be to be refreshingly real, you need to be honest with yourself first. Exactly. 
Exactly. And I'm also not going to go post and be like, I'm so happy for you. You're a star. Like, don't, don't like, I think a lot of times people like push through envy and then they post and they're like, okay, I'm so happy for this person. I'm like, are you though? Mm, fake, are you real? fake it's happiness. Like fake, fake happiness. So I don't do that game. I'm like, yeah. kudos to you. Good job. You got the job. But I am also upset because I wanted that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like with me, if I ever compliment anyone on anything, it's going to be genuine. Uh, it's yeah. only ever genuine and so that's like just Good. whoever ever hears me complimenting them and anything whether it's the smallest of thing i'm only going to say something that i actually believe is true that's how i feel yeah mm-hmm. i'm never going to compliment anyone on anything that i'm not um not even I don't like it because i know when people do it to me i can yeah. feel I'm like, this is inauthentic when people are like oh my god you're a star you're a queen i'm like this doesn't feel authentic no but- Never. Yeah, I'll always pick something that I'm genuinely admiring about that person exactly. and say exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, and the last question, uh, which is my favorite one, is what is your favorite food? <gasps> oh, I'm so hungry <laughs> today, too, so it's like perfect. Um, I think my favorite food is sushi. I just love like the way it presented. I love like the taste and like there's so many sushi places in L.A. And so I, I just yeah, I love sushi. Amazing. That's great. Well, Amir, you are officially my last guest for this season. And the next two episodes will be the Hannah sex story, which is going to be so fun. It's yeah, it's really fun. Um, I've recorded the first part already. and I'm doing it in two parts because there's a lot to unpack. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's like you said, we're not we're not all about our sexuality, but there's a story there. There's always a story to how we came to where we are today in any aspect of our life it's really not easy i had a therapist who said you're like imagine a blind woman organizing a bunch of file cabinets so as we get older those file cabinets from being young we have to rearrange them so your sexuality your identity your issues you have to organize it all because some when you're five like between zero to seven you don't know what you're doing you're just putting stuff in file okay that didn't feel good that felt right that felt bad that felt good so you don't know and you have to rearrange that so sexuality is the same thing from an early age it's like those microaggressions you're a woman you're not allowed to enjoy sex stop having sex that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. put your skirt down don't show that but then a boy can run around naked right so there's different like there's different gender roles the cultural stuff shame around sex guilt around sex all of that stuff all factors in it's it's a whole poo-poo platter of bullshit but you have to work through it so exactly and and when you when you're working through it like for me we'll get in we'll get into it more in the hannah episode but in a nutshell when i actually had sex for the first time i realized that sex is so much more complicated than what I was thought it was to be. And I actually had to start thinking about, but what do I actually like when it comes mm, to sex? And that is like, it's not an easy thing, especially if you have like zero education about it and you've been told literally nothing about sex itself growing up. Same all you, here. Yeah, yeah, all you've been told is- A lot of sex education, they were like, nope, you can't listen to this, like nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the only thing we ever been told is that, you know, um, that's how you make a baby. The sperm goes into the egg. And yep. that's literally all. And yeah. And other than that, and then, you know, figuring out se- that sex is actually a pleasurable thing and you got to like adapt it to your own tastes, mm-hmm. you know, is a whole other ball game. But yeah, I will, I will dig deep into that in my episode. <laughs> that's coming that sounds in. amazing. I mean, it's true because <laughs> when any monotheistic religion, like Judaism, Christianity, Islam, they don't really teach sex as a pleasure, right? But like a lot of Buddhists, a lot of other religions do. So they don't really teach it as a 
it's like you have sex when you're married right mm-hmm. like but the fact is people don't always have sex just to procreate so th- yeah that's and i think that part of the reason i think islam and judaism struggle and christianity struggle with homosexuality is that it's all about pleasure there's no oh, procreation yeah. at all so they that- struggle with that because they're like what the hell is this this is completely an ab- abomination yeah mm-hmm. oh i have never thought about it that way did you, you have an aha so- moment so did i i never thought about it like that i just said it and then i was like whoa that was very accurate <laughs> so accurate like oh my god yeah you guys are doing it right it is all about the fucking pleasure yeah yeah there's no pro- you, you can't you physically cannot get pregnant <laughs> and you know what i don't want to right now <laughs> i love that I, I i had the aha moment and so did you at the same time we're both like yeah that was good that was, that's right. more often i think that's accurate Amazing. Well, Amir, thank you so much. And we'll see everyone on the next episode. And Amir, we'll see you on the next season. Thank you. I can't wait. And if y'all want to follow me on Instagram, Amir Yoss Official and TikTok. Love you guys. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll pop all of Amir's links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, don't forget to share it with a friend you think would enjoy the content as well. You can also leave me a review on iTunes or Podchaser.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Refreshingly Human Podcast, Facebook as Refreshingly Human, and LinkedIn as Hannah Pillow. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.